Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, the president said earlier today that if we can get Europe together, ISIS should be a manageable problem. That's a pretty big if. Uh, yeah, it's a big if. Depending on the international community, it's not been a recipe for uh, success in foreign policy over recent decades. Uh, even when we've assembled a, a coalition, it was with U.S. leadership, not U.S. Uh, leading from behind, if we're even leading from behind anymore, we just seem to be following from behind these days. Um, and, of course, making ISIS a manageable problem. That's a, we talk about, uh, you know, uh, defining expectations down, or what did, what did Bush call it, the soft bigotry of low expectations. Right. That's now our, they, got, they, they slaughter two Americans, and God knows how many other people, and it's uh, are on a, kind of continue to expand, and our, our our goal is to make them manageable problems. One thing to contain the Soviet Union. That was a, uh, until Reagan took over and until we were able to figure out how to really weaken it from inter- internally and it weakened itself. We couldn't really uh, overcome the Soviet Union, so we deterred it and contained it. Uh, it's pretty pathetic now that our position towards ISIS is deterrence and containment, and if that. Uh, but I remember the inspiring words of Winston Churchill when he said, the uh, horror of Nazi genocide must be contained and limited. Don't you remember how that inspired the people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nineteen thirties. It's really, it really is kind of unbelievable, though. I mean, and and well, he just seems to forget that he's president of the United States. The people watch his words, listen to his words. He doesn't have to commit, obviously, to you know immediate destruction of ISIS, and he, he's 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 right to be prudent and 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 not uh, promising too much in the very short term, but. Yeah, it's kind of pathetic that, that, that this seems to be his vision of the world, though. You know, we don't get involved anywhere, no troops on the ground. We uh, do some sort of half-hearted things. We, I mean, think of this. They slaughter an American journalist, and the president's response, uh, and I, this is something he had decided beforehand, obviously, but it looks like now a response, given the timing, is to send 350 more troops to Iraq. Why? To defend the American embassy. That's what we do now. We defend our embassies. Uh, until it gets too dangerous, we pull out, and then they get taken over by uh, Islamic uh, uh, jihadists, as in triple. Hey, hey, but yeah. we are helping them because they have access to our pool, so they're keeping yeah, their obesity know, I mean, and body think, mass down. I think what that looks like to the world, you know, we're not, we don't, we're not sending troops over to fight, to coordinate the fight, to help the Iraqi Air Force with the fight. We're sending troops over to defend the American embassy. It's really pathetic. But not, not only that, the White House was at, went to great lengths to point out that these aren't combat people, that many of them are medical people and, you know, tech people. And so not only are we not fighting, but we're bending over backwards to make sure everybody knows that we're not fighting and are not interested in fighting. And it's so demoralizing to the military. I've talked to a lot of people there. I just flying somewhere yesterday and happened to sit next to a guy who was serving. And, you know, the, the, this repeated sort of, well, we are using the military, but hey, they're not going to fight. I mean, it's just, it's so... Uh, I mean, demoralizing to them, demoralizing to the American public, I think, demoralizing to our allies. And that's really, I guess, President Obama's view of the military. They're, they're somewhat useful to defend our ambassadors, except when, they don't, except when he doesn't authorize them uh, or use them to defend our ambassadors or our embassy staff. And uh, I guess he's not pulling them out of places where they're, you know, peacefully keeping, uh, helping keep the peace in Korea and elsewhere. But uh, God forbid we should actually use the military to kill our enemies, you know. Uh, he'll spoken use, like he'll, a, he'll use some drones occasionally, and uh, you know because that's risk that's risk free. But it's so it's such a well. I will, we're we're testing the proposition. We're testing the proposition of what the world looks like with America in retreat, and it's really a 
pretty ghastly sight. And two more years of this guy as president, I mean, I really, uh, it concerns me more than anything else right now in the public sphere. Bill Crystal, I can hear people screaming, typical neocon, wants to go fight, wants to go get other people's sons killed. You haven't learned your lesson from Iraq and Afghanistan. Is this the consequence of uh, failed policies or perceived failed policies in Afghanistan and Iraq that have left the president no other choice? No, because the world was much safer when Bush left, left office at the end of 2008. He made lots of mistakes, and we criticized him for a lot of those mistakes. I'm sure we made mistakes in our analysis prescriptions, too. But if, if I was talking with someone about this yesterday, who was going on about President Obama saying his foreign policy guideline was don't do stupid stuff. If that's your guideline, you'll never do anything. But you never can be sure things work out. Something will go wrong. The wars will be more difficult than you hope. They'll have unanticipated consequences. But if you're going to take the position that this is true in war as in the rest of life. If, if you're just not going to be certain, 100% certain ahead of time that it's all going to go smoothly, you're not going to do anything, then, you'll, then you won't do anything, period. And we're now looking at a world where we're not doing anything, anything. And the world was safer at the end of 2008 for all of President Bush's mistakes, a lot safer, I would say, than it is now in September of 2014. So as the elections of 2014 roll towards us, will the... Uh, collapsing American foreign policy, the perceived weakness of the United States, the uh, whether it's ineptitude or caution. I love how people say extreme caution. So we've had extreme caution towards Syria for three years now. Oh, you mean we haven't done anything? No, 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 no. It's just extreme caution, Bill. But will the extreme caution play a role in the 2014 elections? Will it help Republicans take the Senate? Republicans are counting on President Obama's low approval rating, helping them, and, and there's some evidence that that's a pretty good predictor of an off-year election. And obviously, his low approval rating is driven in part by uh, the foreign policy collapses. You know, people say it's the economy stupid. That's become such a mantra for strategists of both parties. The truth is, the economy is a little better than it was a couple of years ago, and President Obama's numbers are a lot worse. And that's because people are not solely motivated by macroeconomic indicators. They are very worried about their own economic situation, and I think they're right to be worried. The middle-class squeeze, I was looking at some data on this uh, over the weekend, is worse, I think, than elites really realize. You know, the, the, the uh, failure to increase uh, income combined with costs going up. I mean, people are feeling the squeeze, and that's hurting Obama, but foreign policy is hurting him, too. Having said that, and I think Republicans are probably going to win the Senate. Having said that, I, I am now, uh, we have had an internal controversy about this with the Weekly Standard. Uh, Jay Koss will have a piece in the next issue suggesting there could be uh, a wave election, a big election. That's the right way to think about it. I'm a little more skeptical. I just think there's no Republican positive agenda out there, certainly nothing bold, but not even a thing, period. If you ask a voter, what is the Republican Party going to do if it takes over the Senate? Well, they'll stop some bad things Obama wants to do, which is, which is good. But what's their agenda for dealing with the middle-class squeeze? What's their agenda, frankly, for dealing even with the foreign policy problems? They've been pretty silent. They can get away with that in the midterm election to some degree. But I think if you want a really big victory, it has to have the sense of uh, the party standing for something big. And I don't see that in 2014. As I think they can get away with that and have a decent election this November. I think it's a big problem for 2016. I'm, I'm in a way more worried about the belief of the Republican consulting consultant class, the inside the beltway strategist types, that they can just replay. Uh, you, you, you think they might have learned something from 2012, that not having an agenda and not having a bold agenda isn't a good idea, but they seem awfully wed to that proposition, that, that, that it's very risky. It's sort of like with Obama's foreign policy. You know, if you say something bold, it could go wrong. If you have an agenda, people will criticize it. So let's just do nothing. 
You know, it is almost a uh, new part of the American psyche that we view the the pro- proposition of making a mistake as so horrifying that we act, that I, I find this in personal life in, in in civic life, Bill. People would rather say afterwards, well, at least I didn't do anything wrong rather than say I did something and I did some good and some bad. I made some mistakes. I, they're so fearful of being you know uh, uh, accountable for making a mistake that inaction seems to be part of the new American ethos. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought of it in the broader perspective, but you're right. I guess this is why traditionally there were sins of omission as well as sins mm-hmm. of commission. And you don't sort of get to excuse yourself by saying, well, I didn't do anything affirmatively exactly. to hurt that person. I just didn't go out of my way to help that person, you know, while he or she was being hurt by someone else. That is kind of our attitude in, in life much too often. Certainly the politicians have become so risk-averse, um, which I think incidentally means there's a huge market for a political figure even in the next two months, but certainly in the run-up to 2016, for a political leader who shows a willingness to take risks, to say what he believes, not to be simply driven by the polls and trying to find the lowest common denominator to get 50.1% of the vote. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Michael.